What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. This is episode 148, and this is our next interview in partnership with IWE UK over in Essex. And after listening to this episode, go back and check all of our previous interviews with IWE talent with the likes of Xander, Kevin Isaacs, Maverick Blade, Frankie T, and of course the IWE Women's Champion, Riley Daniels. But my next guest is an experienced pro on the British wrestling scene. Uh, there isn't much in my next guest hasn't done or seen in uh, the, the UK wrestling scene but um uh, please can introduce you to the current iwe national champion damien otherwise known as brett meadows so uh brett uh good evening how are you my friend Pretty good man how are you very very good even better now that i'm speaking to you so i mean you had a fan you've had a fantastic career um and i can't wait to take a deep dive into all of your career highlights of course um now, you must have had a, a quite a regular wrestling schedule on the UK scene over the past however many years, and we'll get into that. Uh, but how have you coped over the last five or six months during the COVID era, shall we say, without any wrestling? Um, I, I, kind of, how has your mind been? Have, have you kind of got used to it by now? Or are you kind of um, itching and clawing to, to get back into a wrestling ring? Well, obviously, obviously I love wrestling, so it's kind of... That, that part of it is a bit soul destroying that there's no wrestling. Um, I'm pretty good though, man. I'm like I'm pretty chill. Uh, I live in the middle of nowhere. I'm pretty good at being isolated, to be honest. Um, <laughs> when I do wrestling, when I drive home, I get home and I'm like, oh, thank God, I'm out of all that noise. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I live in a quiet place. Uh, don't I don't have sort of main street lights or anything where I live, so it's, it's I don't mind. I've probably seen more people since lockdown than I've I've seen a lot more people want to go for a toddler in the countryside and I'm like who are all these weird people bashing around near my house in the country uh, <laughs> yeah no, obviously I miss wrestling loads uh I miss, yeah. miss seeing like the guys not all of the guys but I miss seeing some of the guys yeah. um, no, I'm all good man like it's pretty pretty nice I've been eating well put on too much weight I've now got to smash the gym and get in shape again. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm sure it's given you your body a chance to maybe heal up a little bit and uh, feel a bit more normal as well. I don't know. I think I feel more normal when I'm smashing it up. I've really? I think that many years of doing it, I kind of like it's uh, self corrupted you know. I just sort of smash myself up and I feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. I mean, 2020, I mean, it started really, really well for you. I mean, if you look at February alone, and, and if, if I've got my facts right here, you, you became the British Empire heavyweight champion early February, and then the IWE national champion on the 22nd of February. So, I mean, 2020 started off fantastically for you. You must be really, really chuffed with how the year started. And then it came to a kind of a, a grinding halt. Um, you know, you must have kind of been really looking forward to the rest of this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, like obviously, because I, I sort of I do the ring hire as well, so I had like a crazy busy schedule for the year. Like, I don't think I had one weekend where I wasn't sort of stonking busy, you know. And then it just went cut and gone. So, yeah, know, what you do man, you know, I'm not dead. I guess that's good. So I will just, just keep doing. Yeah. Yeah, and it, like I say, I think that the British wrestling scene is starting to kind of make plans for the future. You've got one or two promotions looking to start up again fairly soon and others looking to make a fresh start of it in 2021. Um, but as, as I mentioned, you've been in on the wrestling scene for a little while. And if you don't mind me saying, I think you started around 2002. So you've probably uh, getting close to your 18th year anniversary in the wrestling business. But how did you first get into wrestling as a fan? Um, and then... Do you remember the moment when you realised that you wanted to become a pro wrestler? So kind of talk us through that journey. 
Uh, to be fair, like when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be a rock star or I'm going to be a wrestler. And I literally, literally, that's what I was going to do. So I was in bands uh, when I was younger. And obviously the internet was pretty, well, I don't think there was an internet when I was that age. So um, then, then basically once the internet came along, obviously it was a bit easier to find. And my mum worked for the newspaper and WAW rung up to place um, an advert in. And I had Jake the Snake Roberts taking a training school. So she wow. started, like, my son's always wanted to be a wrestler. I mean, at this point, I was like, I was, you know, I was older than a lot of the lads that start now because I didn't know how to start. So um, I think I was 20 something. I can't even make it. It's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> early 20s, early 20s. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so essentially, I ended up going to this uh, training school. And the rest is sort of history. Like I started with WAW. It was like Jake Roberts, you know. Jake Roberts is someone I saw on videotapes. I didn't have start. I was a poor kid. So like I used to get like I think someone used to like lend me videotapes of sort of WWE stuff, you know. So obviously Jake Roberts and all them guys back then. And I was I remembered who that was. I was like, damn, this is gonna be awesome. So you, you must have thought that there was a, an ex WWF performer at uh, every every training school in the UK when Jake Roberts was there um, at, a, at a training seminar in your first attempt. <laughs> I didn't even know about. I mean, I think I went to one uh, Brian Dixon show yeah. and three tickets because obviously I used to train a lot anyway. And I think back then my mum went, Oh, my son looks a bit like Triple H. And, and they went, Oh, come and meet us after this show. And I was like, All right, I don't look like him, but I'll go and meet him. And I went to the show, and to be honest, I didn't enjoy the show, and I left. Um, and so that that was like quite a long while before I started with WAW. And obviously, I started with Rick and them guys, and so that's that's where that's where I started, and I was there for a few years, you know. So, so, so there you go. I mean, you know, you you joined WAW with a, with the Knight family, and um, you know, what what was it like, kind of set the scene when you kind of walked through the doors for the first time? And I mean, you know, you said that Jake Roberts was there, but uh, was it a welcoming welcoming environment? And uh, did you kind of feel at home uh, fairly quickly? Oh no, yeah, I mean, I loved it. I was quite quite cocky, I think. Uh, I was uh, I did judo and stuff before that. I think I got the nickname Bisto because I was be like, oh, I'll save the best till last. I'll do everything last, and I'll smash it. Um, but you know, uh, it was. I nearly walked out on my first session because, like, the we got put for our paces. You know, we we're running around fields, and I was like, I don't want to run around fields. I want to be a wrestler. So I don't know. Do you know? It's, uh, but yeah, I stuck with it, and that was it. I mean, no, they're all cool. You know, it's, uh, it was probably different then to what it is now. I think it was a little bit more of a closed, closed business then. So it was a bit harder. So you got really tested to see if you could last. But these days, I think anyone you can. It's great. You can pay your training. You can go and do some training somewhere, and you know you could literally get into the business quite easy these days. But back then, you sort of you sort of had to go through it to get in, you know. Yeah. So so you definitely didn't enjoy the the, the kind of long distance cross country runs then, Brett. But um, I mean, what 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 aspects of the training did you enjoy and kind of really hooked you and then made you want to come back time and time again? Then I don't know. I think it was just like. It was just genuinely a dream that I wanted to do when I was younger. And I always said I'll be a wrestler when I was older. I remember, I think I remember in a playground, like doing the bushwhacker walk or something. <laughs> Love it. About 10 years old or something, you know. So it's not anything I've ever had to think about. And it doesn't, it wouldn't matter how much money I got offered to do something else. Uh, it's something I love doing and that's why I do it. It's, you know, and it's, 
if I don't like something, I'll move on. I'll still, I'll still do this though, because it's what uh, I genuinely think that's what I was meant to do. So I do it. Yeah. You know, so. Living your dream, living a dream. And uh, how how long was it before you had your first match then? So uh, I mean, you, you kind of you made your debut in 2000. I mean, I've got got it down here that. Um, according to the record books, whether this is correct or not, your first match was in about May 2002 against against Ricky Knight. Um, so and that was in a Witham Essex. So so is that correct? And uh, how long before you had that first match? Uh, that's not right. Um, my ah. <laughs> first ever singles match was against uh, Big Dave Waters of the Pitbulls. Right. That was this was like pre because obviously he was out for a few years because he had a big strongman accident. Um, so like the, my first ever appearance, I literally I rushed into a match at the Princess Theatre in Clacton, smashed the keyboard over Big Bulk's head from the Pitbulls. Obviously, them two guys were smashing it back then. Yeah. Yeah. The ring, smashed the keyboard over his head. There was blood everywhere, uh, and I was like, Oh my god! Oh my god! What have I done? And I was just like, well, I made a big impact, and then that set me up for my first ever singles match, which then happened at Princess Theatre in Clacton a few months later. That was my first official singles match. I did a couple of rumbles in between, but um, my first official singles match, I think, was it was definitely it was definitely 2002, uh, but I can't remember the date. <laughs> yeah. And those early matches, I mean, you mentioned about kind of your experience of the first match against uh, Big Dave, but... Did, did you feel that it was maybe too soon or did you feel oh, that you, you weren't quite right or did you feel mentally prepared for them first few matches? Um, I, I think I was mentally prepared. Physically, I don't think I was anywhere near ready, but I'm not being funny. I had like a, I had a look that was marketable and they could put me on a picture and people liked it. And I think that's a lot to do with, especially then was wrestling is like how marketable you are. You know, yeah. like I run a wrestling promotion and people send me pictures and, it sounds bad, but if I don't like the picture, I'm like, I'm probably not going to book this guy because it's not appealing to me. You know, it's got, you've got to be appealing. So I think, you know, I was quite lucky that I had a look that they, they wanted. So straight away I was out and I was like, couldn't do shit, but I was out and I was doing it. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally get it. Totally get it. And how would you describe the UK wrestling scene back then so we're talking you know 17 18 years ago early 2000s I'm guessing it was a little different to what you'll find kind of you know uh you know the, the early 2000s compared to where we are now I mean how would you describe the wrestling scene from back then wildly different mate absolutely wild um obviously like I said before it was a really closed really closed book you know so there wasn't very many promotions there was literally a handful of promotions uh so like you really had to work your ass off to get onto these shows, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you'd you'd end up travelling, you know. I know people like pay their dues and this stuff, but you'd end up travelling miles just to maybe get a spot on a show because there was no shows, you know. WAW was good back then because they ran quite a lot of shows, albeit in little village halls and stuff. Though still, and they also ran like the fight merit events, which were big events, you know. And you had a FWA that were good then. But obviously there was only there was only really a handful of companies that were putting on big shows. So I mean now there's a show in every town every week. Not right now, but you know in the last few years there has. But um, so it's quite easy to get on shows, you know. But back then it yeah. was hard. You, know, you had to you had to put the hours in to get in there. 
totally get it and like you say i think we as wrestling fans nowadays as modern wrestling fans we take for granted the fact that you know that there is as you mentioned a wrestling uh, promotion in every town or every city and uh you know put more, more than one in some cases but back then you really did have to travel as a fan and as a wrestler to to make to make a gig basically yeah yeah of course yeah it was crazy you know it's like it was it was kind of it was kind of good because you did have a lot less people involved whereas now it's you know been so so open so blown open now there's kayfabe's pretty dead you know and the internet's the internet's there as well so everyone knows everything but as long as you can suspend people's belief when they're there for a show it's great you know absolutely another kind of uh, tradition of the uk wrestling scene are the kind of the, the holiday camps and the summer seasons now you've done a few of them in your time haven't you brett uh, you know let, uh, pretty much anybody that's anybody in the UK wrestling scene have, have kind of done the Pontins or done the Butlins over the years and uh, and all of that. So, what's your kind of experience of the holiday camp scene? And the, is it an enjoyable experience? I'm not, I'm not sure if enjoyable is how I describe it. Uh, it's it's good fun. It's hard work. You know, there's like generally back then there'd probably be a team of four of you or five of you. You know, um, you'd have a time limit getting the ring up get ready do your matches get the ring down get it back away get to the next venue uh it's hard work horrible sweaty smelly work <laughs> um, but it, like, it's i would always say it's an amazing place to learn the trade because they're not wrestling fans you know genuinely they're not wrestling fans they're not they're not like the guys that avidly follow wrestling yeah. so you know they're not smart they're people that want to be entertained so it's a great place to learn how to entertain people you know, so it's yeah. it was like genuinely helped me loads. You know, just just being able to control a crowd, uh, you know, in what you're doing, which is is sort of irreplaceable now. And obviously, yeah. there's a lot of people now that don't get that opportunity. So a lot of holiday camps don't have it so much now. And also, there's so many lads that you know people don't get a look in now. So. Yeah, like I say, great learning experience, a great way to cut your teeth, especially yeah. when you're kind of learning. And uh, I suppose, you know, the repetition, you've had plenty of matches. And um, like you say, putting up the ring, wrestling, putting down the ring, going to the next town and uh, doing it throughout the whole summer season. So a good experience. But um, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about um, WAW then, because you, you have wrestled for a ton of promotions uh, yeah. around London, around Essex, around the East Coast, uh, certainly in your first 10 years. But I think it'd be fair to say that WAW over in uh, Norwich, Norfolk, was kind of your stomping grounds for them first, you know, eight to ten years or so, um, and, and could easily be considered your, your home promotion for that time as well. You certainly wrestled a fair few matches um, kind of month in, month out for WAW. Give, give us your kind of uh, your experience with WAW then, because they, they kind of were important times for you, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I mean, the thing is, like, I'll never forget where I came from, and that's, at the end, that's why... Essentially, I don't know how I would have got in the business if I didn't come in through them, because, like I said, I didn't know how to get in. So, obviously, Rick sort of uh, opened the door for me and let me in. Uh, trusted me, you know, I, I sort of ended up with the heavyweight title, and that yeah. was really cool. But, yeah, again, at that time, it was like, for me, it was a huge, huge deal, you know. Um, so, it was good. I got to wrestle lots of people. I learned a lot of stuff. Uh, I enjoyed time there, you know. There's some things I didn't like about stuff, but essentially it's sort of it's it's still where i came from and without it i wouldn't be who i am now you know so positive and negative things is still what sort of textured me and made me what i am you know so yeah that's the really yeah training schools training schools were good fun met lots of people you know um it was good it was good you know did some yeah cool stuff. 
and, and Brett, according to uh, my research, you know, quite a few fairly household names of today kind of passed through WAW and you had the opportunity to to go up against them or be in the ring with them, such as uh, Nick Aldis, Doug Williams, Marty Skrull and a pre-WWE page, uh, uh, Brittany Knight, of course. It, it must be fun to kind of look back on some of these names that you cross paths with back in the WAW days, um, and, uh, you know, and, and since some of them have become, you know, superstars in their own right. So pretty good to kind of look back at some of them experiences when they were also breaking in. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Raya or Paige, as we call her. I don't know. I don't like yeah. Paige. I mean, like, I think when I started, she I don't know, was maybe four or five. I'm not sure. So like, I've watched her grow up, you know. So it's weird now when I see her. To me, I'm still like, she's a little kid, like, you know, so. <laughs> like, sometimes I'd like her and Zach would jump in the in my van because I had a van back then and like a crew of them would just come back and they'd be like, oh, can we stay at Brett's? And they'd just come over and like play video games and whatever, you know, and just, uh, so it's quite, it's quite quite funny, you know, funny times. Like I say, great, great times to look back on. It's just, it's, it's weird seeing how everything is now and how it's all changed. And it's quite, like you say, it's really cool to have had like, all these people that I trained with and came through with and wrestled and, you know, and we've all done our own thing, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And I've done uh, interviews with other kind of uh, wrestlers that have gone through the WAW training camp. Uh, I think the most recent one that we spoke about, WAW, uh, was Echo Reed, who's done some uh, some tour or some seminars and some uh, training sessions over with the Knights. But, um, I mean, pretty much anybody that's anybody has kind of passed through that area and passed through WAW and, and crossed paths with the Knights over the years uh, because they are quite renowned trainers, aren't they, as a family? And uh, I think they do... Uh, promote uh, kind of more of a traditional Brit- British style mixed with a cross of like the, the American style. But um, what kind of uh, key skills um, or, or parts of your wrestling style did you pick up and attribute to your time with the Knights then? Um, I don't know, like to be fair, when I when I was there, I used to wrestle, and that sounds bad, but I used to wrestle a lot more. <laughs> you know, these days I don't probably wrestle as in the traditional wrestle as much, especially doing the Damien characters. A bit more theatrical you know um yeah yeah back then when i was working just as sort of brett the craft meadows obviously i was uh as i was testing myself i got to wrestle some really good people you know danny boy collins and people like that so in that respect i'd be like i'm just gonna try and keep up you know if i can keep up that's amazing so i mean with with things like that we might, might not even talk about stuff and i'd just be like i just gotta try and keep up with this guy so it was quite different to what i do now hunt you know definitely um so, uh, yeah. yeah. And I think that's what Echo said when I interviewed her was it was much more focused on the kind of more wrestling, um, you know, genre, more, more kind of ground based and, uh, you know, learning the basics. Our friends over at Hope Spot Clothing are offering listeners to the Wrestling With Jollas podcast 10% discount off of all of their T-shirts and merchandise. Simply use the code WWJPOD. That's WWJPOD. Hostbot Clothing are a charity label with over 50% of all profits going to a variety of good causes. Go to the website www.hopespotcc.com. That's hopespotcc.com and take advantage of their great discount now. 
Let's talk about another exciting time, another interesting time. I, I think there was two weeks in the mid 2000s. Um, you might be able to expand on this where you had your first tour outside of the UK. You went to Italy and you toured around Italy for a couple of weeks. It might have been longer. Uh, yeah. there, there were some big international names on that tour. But uh, uh, t- how did that opportunity come about? And uh, can you remember much about that tour and some of the some of the things that happened while you're out there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was obviously just like something I look back on in fond memories. And it's also something that made me realise that I wouldn't ever enjoy being on a big stage like a WWE or something like that. Um, so I felt I didn't like living out of a suitcase. So it sounds funny, but I didn't like living out of a suitcase, living out. Not of for everybody. Didn't, mate, I didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, obviously, I loved what I did, um, loved being part of it. But also, I don't think I've ever been a lad. So but I've always struggled with that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It was amazing. I did some great stuff. I worked with people. You know, genuinely, I was living the dream. There's lads now that would still love to do what I did there, you know, and just go and work with them people, like working with, like, Rikishi, Matt Morgan, Olmo Dragon, Hoovy. Uh, Van- Vampiro was there. Yeah. Um, Vampiro yeah. in a big match in front of thousands of people. It was really cool, you know, like we... Did the fighting all through the crowds up there? It was amazing. Like at that, at that point, I was kind of like, I'm doing what I wanted to do, you know. Uh, I, it was really weird because it was very. When I came back, I so enjoyed my first match back in front of a smaller crowd, being more personable. Bigger, I, I got kind of got in trouble because I was trying to work the crowd and not the TV cameras, and you know, it was so so ingrained into me to work the crowds and stuff. As soon as you're doing that, you've got to work the cameras. You, you ignore the crowd struggle struggle with that i love entertaining people so struggled with working tv cameras only you know yeah that, you you prefer the more intimate kind of more personable setting oh even, even not even that like even a bigger crowd but not one where it's got to be focused on just the tv stuff you yeah. know uh, i love that whole being personal with the crowd thing in respects of you know getting feeding out of your hand and you know obviously it's but yeah great great stuff worked with amazing people uh had a great time didn't have to spend any money you know, it's just like, was very, very well looked after. Um, that was that was a great company that a lot, you know, I think uh, Burridge, Darren Burridge, uh, Charlie Rage, um, Domino, who's sadly not with us anymore. But, you know, there was only a handful of British guys that got to go and experience that really cool stuff. You, the girls, Lisa Fury, uh, Minx as well, you know. So, uh, but yeah, there wasn't that many of us that managed to go and get that amazing opportunity of like, just, you know, making money and just doing living the dream getting yeah. fed every night, getting watered every night you know <laughs> nice hotels it was it was a good times you know indeed yeah and uh, you also had uh, a decent run uh, not just as a, a singles wrestler but as a tag team wrestler and i think you're kind of well known as part of the the devil's playboys is that right so uh, it's part of a stable bit bit of a collection now i think it was it sam knee hysteria ricky relentless yourself uh, what can you tell us about the, the Devil's Playboys? Because you, you had a bit of success. You had some uh, tag team gold between you and Sam. Um, it sounds like a, a really fun... T- and I think you still tag with Sam uh, fairly regularly nowadays, don't you? Uh, no, not for a long time. No. Oh, right. No, not for a long time. I haven't worked for ATW for probably well, quite a few years. Um, let's talk about me going and doing some other stuff with them again. Um, but yeah, no, that was a fun time. To be fair, when I, when I was doing that stuff there was kind of a mashup of i was really enjoy really enjoyed it and then i had my son and it was like i needed to grow up a little bit so i cut all my hair off 
didn't really worry about booking so much and I was pretty safe just wrestling with them and not having to worry about wrestling anywhere else because I was so busy with my work. So I was working as a full-time photographer at that point. Um, so it was like a no-brainer. It was cool. I could still do that easily um, without having to stress. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that. It was pretty, we were pretty outspoken doing it. Uh, I don't know, like <laughs> not very PG with what we were doing. Uh, but it was fun, you know, really good fun. Um, smashing guitars, making probably references we shouldn't make, um, <laughs> you know. But it was it was good. It was like very outspoken. We did. Uh, Obviously, I'd wrestled in Norway before that, and I managed to get Sam booked with me as my manager over there. That was before he was wrestling, actually. Right. Was just managing me, because we, when I joined the Devil's Playboys, he was just a manager, and he'd always wanted to wrestle. I was, I was just like, just do it, mate. So we just did it, and uh, yeah, it was pretty shit crazy to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back then, so I kind of carried him, and he, he'd, he'd say that himself, I carried him back then. Um and, you know, I was kind of the wrestler and he loved talking on the mic. So it worked. I hate, I always hate mic work. I'm not a big fan of it. You know, I can't be asked to stand and try and talk tough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it works really well. And uh, it ended up just being me and Sam. And then that was when we probably had more success. So it was just me and Sam. And like I said, got into Norway with us. Uh, and then, yeah, because the Devil's but people like the Devil's Playboys. And uh, so we started getting bookings in the Devil's Playboys. It was kind of like it was kind of done as a fun thing, really, and it just sort of exploded a little bit. It was, I think, just because we were just obnoxious and horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, but but I mean, you mentioned uh, HEW a moment ago. Was it Hearts Netics Wrestling? Yeah. Now you you had a fantastic run with them, and I think between October 20, uh, 2008 and October two thousand ten, you were there. You were their champion, and it was only it was a very very long run, but only interrupted by kind of a, a five day stint where you wasn't a champion. And I think you didn't you kind of lose the belt very very briefly to uh, Chuck Palumbo. Um, but uh, I mean. Tell us about that run with HEW because it sounds like another promotion that was good to you and you had great fun there. You held the championship for pretty much two years solid. Um, so, so tell us a bit about HEW and your kind of time with them. It was, it was good, man. It was like it was good fun. Like, like I said, I sort of touched on it a bit where I was like I wasn't wrestling as much because I was very busy with work. And I was working probably eighty hours a week in my day job, so mm. it was really hard to wrestle as well. Uh, so, yeah, it made it easy for me because Sam was like, there's always a spot here for you. And so I just waltzed in and just did my thing, really. Um, but, yeah, it was good fun. I got good matches. We, we, you know, we, we ran some really fun shows. You know, at one point, I sort of was helping him as well to push the company a bit to make it grow. And we did the Towelands shows, which is when we had Palumbo. Um, and, yeah, and that, that was fun, you know, really good fun. Uh, but uh, pretty batshit crazy, I'm not going to lie. If I looked back on anything in my wrestling career, that's probably the baddest bit. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty batshit crazy times, but it was, it was fun, you know. It was. Uh, yeah. I, I can't really say a lot about it. It was just, it was just completely bonkers. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't do now what I did then, put it like that, you know. Uh, so, so when you say you batshit bonkers, was it in terms of the the match style or the matches they used to have, or, uh, you know, I'm guessing you had fun there, but was it was it the match the match types that was promoted generally by HEW? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, like Sam loves his hardcore stuff, so he used to end right. up doing a lot of that stuff. And I'm I'm not like obviously I've done quite a few hardcore matches, but I'm not into the whole gigging thing and bleeding everywhere. It just doesn't do anything for me. I don't. I don't see it as a viable thing for for families and stuff. And I, do you know what? I, nothing I hate more than seeing like 
someone bleeding and there's like kids watching and that it just does nothing for me, you know. It's sort yeah. of done. it's a different, you know. Like uh, I was doing a lot of ring jobs for Anarchy Pro in in Camden, and that that was good fun. And uh, everyone's bleeding everywhere and smashing glass everywhere, and that's all fine if that's the crowd you're catering for. But, yeah. but you have to be careful with who you're catering for. And if you've got families, you entertain families. If you've got adults that want to see blood, then you do that, and it's a whole different thing, you know. Um, gotcha. But yeah. It was a pretty fucked up little promotion. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I, I totally get you. It was still fun, you know. We had fun at the time. So, and again, there's talk yeah. of me going back and doing some stuff. But I, if I did that, I'd only probably go back uh, if I was doing the Sir Selfie gimmick there. Because Damien, Damien's everywhere already. And Brett, I don't think I'd take back there. But maybe the Sir Selfie gimmick, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you spent the first... 12 years of your career as as uh, the craft brett yeah. meadows and then, and then then the damien character came along so damien was born towards the end of 2015 i think i've got uh what what prompted the change of character and tell us a bit about damien uh, who is he and uh, kind of you know what what's he all about so i love damien like uh, <laughs> i genuinely love damien um so i did the face paint as a halloween thing back in hew and Damien's my legit middle name. So it's just another part of me. Uh, and I spoke about it back then going, oh, you know, I'd like to do this character as Damien, much darker. I've been like this baby face, clappy, good guy for a long time, which I've done for years. Even as a villain, like I still got sort of cheered doing it. I found it quite hard to be a villainous craft. It just didn't seem people liked me too much. The problem is now, like with Damien, people like Damien too much. I'm a villain and people love me. <laughs> You know, who doesn't love the guy that comes and spits blood over himself and shit? But, um, <laughs> but I don't know, like, so I did it, I did it as, um, I did it as a Halloween thing. And I kind of, I was like, yeah, I really like this. This is, I feel, I feel, I feel this. And then obviously I ended up being quite ill. Um, I got swine flu and I nearly lost my leg. So that put a massive halt to my wrestling for two years. Genuinely, like, I, was, I couldn't wrestle. It was really shit. Uh, and that's uh, also when I started World War Wrestling because I couldn't wrestle and I was like I've always said if I ever started a promotion I'd run a fucking good promotion and it'd be everything I've always said you know it's got to look fucking professional the lads have got to look like superstars and that's what we did with World War Wrestling but I said another side to it but um so when I did when I was like to know what I did a I did a match for World War Wrestling I think it was at World War Wrestling 3 I said to my wife I'm gonna do a match and she's like what and I'm like I'm doing a match I said if I don't do a match now I'll never wrestle again. I was like, so unless I do this now, it's never going to happen. And uh, I did the match. I nearly cried like a baby after doing it, mate. I'm not going to lie. I was just proper overcome with emotion because I, I really thought I got told I'd never wrestle again. Um, I say it's only because I've got private health insurance that I kept my leg. Yeah. I was told I wouldn't ever be able to do any of the impact stuff again. And I ignored all of it. Um, and uh, yeah, I did that match in World War Wrestling 3 and I was like, I think I can wrestle again. So Damien was born from that, knowing that I couldn't, because you know, I, I used to do some stupid shit. I used to do like stupid suicide dives and all that. And being quite a big lump, it was like, don't think I can do that stuff anymore. So let's think about this. If I, if I come back to wrestling, what can I do? And I was like, I love that face paint. And if I'm Damien, I haven't got to take shit. I could just be this bloody monster and come in and just wreck people and bleed every, you know. Not real blood, but bleed everywhere and just be this yeah. massive natural character. And that's really how it was born. And to be honest, when I came back, I did it and it just blew up, you know. So yeah. and it was nice because it's like, I was, obviously, I've 
as my leg got better and better, I started doing more and more stupid shit again. And now I'm probably my leg's pretty good, you know. I can push it as much as I want now, which is which is great. So I still I start doing stupid shit again, but as Damien now, so. Yeah, well, I mean, let, let's talk about that because my next set of questions was was about your kind of uh, ring style, your wrestling style. Now, I mean, your style and being a big guy, your, your natural style is very physical. We know I've seen a few of your matches and you are a very physical guy, but you can move. You, you do, you know, move at a bit of a pace around that ring as well. You can move. I've seen you kind of, you know, move around that ring, uh, you know, like, like somebody maybe 50 pounds uh, smaller than you. But um, tell us a bit about your wrestling style. Is, is, is any of your wrestling style influenced by any of your wrestling heroes or anybody you've kind of trained with? Tell us a bit about your, your wrestling style in the year 2020, then. I don't, do you know what? I don't think it is. I don't, I can't honestly look at a wrestler and go, that's what I base Damien on. Damien was literally, a, no, I'm not going to lie, it was a complete rip-out of, I don't know if you've ever seen House of a Thousand Corpses. Well, uh, I haven't seen it, I've heard about it, yeah. yeah. The character in that, Otis Firefly, and I literally stole his face paint because uh, the character I love is, is horrible. It's, it's, it's a disgusting film. It's amazing. It's like, it's kind of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on acid. Um, so like that that character right there is kind of like I was like that's Damien's face, like no doubt that's Damien's face, but on my body. So I did like a variation. Obviously, it's it's evolved into something different now. Obviously, like way different. But when I first started, that was the influence was that. And uh, I don't think there's a wrestling influence. I love horror. I run a horror guy page on Facebook as well, where I review horror films. And so it was more honestly based on horror. So. So obviously I'll do stuff in matches. I'll just grab someone by the face and drag them around the ring and stuff. And do you know, I don't, that's what I mean. It's a, my wrestling isn't really the people will be like, Oh, it doesn't really wrestle. It's just very striker, brawler and vicious. Do you know? Um, yeah. It's not, it's not anything like what I was wrestling at WAW all them years ago. It's a very different character, you know? But your, your wrestling style, it fits your personality, it fits your kind of character as Damien. It kind of, the, the the two mesh so well together that it just totally works. Yeah, no, I, I feel it does. You know, like, people even say to me, like, I love the way you walk when you're Damien. I'm like, pretty sure it's just my walk. There's <laughs> <laughs> like, genuinely, like, Damien is a part of me, there's no doubt, you know. Absolutely. The other characters as well, and they're, they're part of me as well, but it's like, the thing is with Damien, like I can I can do Damien any day of the week. Uh, obviously, I don't know if you've seen like I make lots of little horror flicks as Damien, and I've made like little horror films for different companies. And do you know what I mean? It just works because because I love horror. It's just an easy thing for me to do. It's a it's a no brainer. You know, it's just very very natural to do it. Yeah. It wasn't wrestling or the rock star thing I said before. The only other job I could even consider doing would be to like make horror films legit so like shoot direct and produce horror films do it absolutely do it and uh get get some of the other wrestling talent involved i think that'll be quite quite a good uh horror flick a kind of a wrestling horror uh mashup that'd be pretty cool but um to tell us a bit about doa then over in cambridgeshire because that's been another home of yours for the last five or so years um i I was going to ask was it kind of like a new gimmick new promotion but um how did you get involved with doa well, it was, um, again, because I do ring hire as well, because obviously, I mean, I run I run the World War Wrestling and I also run a ring hire company, and obviously I'm a freelance wrestler. So, essentially, um, Alec over at DOA uh, contacted me about ring hire one time. So I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. And it was, there was again, I got I bought the ring when I thought I was never going to wrestle again. So I thought, 
I love wrestling. How can I still be involved in wrestling? Because I don't know if I can ever do it. So obviously I got the ring and I started World War Wrestling. I started World War Wrestling first. Um, and I was like, I need a ring. I'm not going to pay ring hire if I run a wrestling company. That's dark. Do you know what I mean? Even with a dead fucked leg, I'm still able to build a ring, but just a bit slowly. So, do you know what I mean? Whole different thing to jumping off of ropes onto the floor and actually just putting something together. So, um, yeah. But yeah, so I contacted Alec, uh, did a ring job for him. And, and to be fair, it was him that sort of I started. I actually came back at TOA as Dark Craft. Right. Uh, and just didn't feel right. I needed a different name. I was like, well, no, I'll just use Damien. It's my name, you know? Um, but yeah, to be fair to Alec, he's the one that sort of went, uh, you know, I said, I'd love to do it, but I don't know if I can, but I could do this dark craft gimmick and see how it goes. And, you know, my matches won't be great to begin with, but obviously, I guess, because I've been around a long time, it's just, it's not even just that, it's just having their presence. And so, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the rest is history. I've had a great run with DOA. Uh, to be fair, I'll get on with Alec great, sort of work, work most of his shows. I have to sometimes juggle some dates because genuinely I'm very busy. Um, so I'll, I'll, but I'm always straight up with people. I'll always be like, Alec, man, I've got like a clash of dates, this, 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 and I've got more money I can make here. And, you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm straight. I mean, anyone that knows me knows I'm like, I'm no shit and straight talking. So, yeah. Good. You know? Sorry, Brad. I was going to ask a bit more about your your own promotion, World War Wrestling. Then, because it sounds like you, you kind of came up with the idea or, or decided to kind of take the the brave leap into being a promoter yourself when you were out injured with with your bad leg. Um, so, so kind of, is it is it an idea that you always had in the back of your mind, or was it something that kind of came out quite quickly because you were out injured? And um, you know, what sort of promotion is it? You know, for anybody that's not heard of World War Wrestling, what can they expect if they go out and try and find it on YouTube or maybe uh, you know see a show live one day? Um, yeah, I love it. It's my baby. You know, <laughs> it's my second baby. I've got one kid. It's my other kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. I always wanted to do it, but it was. I mean, I'm not being funny. Everyone's like, oh, wrestling is it. Let's make some money. It's hard to make any money in wrestling. Mm. Like, legitimately if you run a promotion like spoke to one uh magic you probably know magic uh he does the arcade gimmick as well he's been around a lot of years up north i said oh, i'm gonna start a promotion screw it i'm gonna do it like i'm out of wrestling i love wrestling i'm gonna fucking do it right and properly i was uh, genuinely open i'll slag people off because i'm like this is shit why would i want to pay and buy a ticket to this show you know and that's genuinely how i feel about some shows i've worked for and been at and uh so I was like, I'm doing it. And he went, why, have you come into some money or do you, do you want to burn some money or something? And that's generally, like anyone that's been in the business for any time kind of, you know, sees it. This is a money drain, you know. Having a wrestling company is a money drain, you know. So if you do it right, it is. You know, you've got insurances, you've got you've got all the talent, you've got other overheads. It's, it's expensive to run good shows. Uh, so I was always like, I'm going to do it properly. So we do it properly. It's expensive to run good shows. <laughs> I think we do okay, you know. Uh, we get pretty decent draws. We get draws of like three, four hundred. It's like uh, my smaller shows are really good fun as well. I've had a couple of bad shows where I haven't drawn as well, but generally uh, my shows in Stowe Market, we always draw hundreds. You know, um, uh, the little, little shows are doing Gillingham, a lovely little theatre there. I mean, the most we've had in there is probably two fifty crammed in when we had Bram as our champion. But he wasn't our champion then actually, but it was before he was our champ. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, I, I throw money at it, but I get it back. But 
I think that's you. You need to throw money at wrestling to make it good, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like you say, you're not going to become a millionaire as a a UK uh, promoter, I suppose. But it's more for the passion, isn't it? It's more kind of a more of a personal project. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it. And uh, again, if I if I didn't have the ring hire and wrestle freelance, I wouldn't be able to afford to do it. There's no way. Mm. Uh, you know, I see I see a lot of shows skin flint on talent, and I'm like, why would I buy a ticket to watch this? You know, and I genuinely. I genuinely try and book shows that I would want to watch. And I mean, I do, I do all the promo edits. So you go on YouTube and look at any of the music videos. Personally, I'm proud as fuck of all of them. Cause I sit and I put everything together. Uh, I've had, I've had some other people shoot shows and edit the shows. And I've actually now gone back to editing the shows myself. Cause I'm never happy with their job. Uh, there was one, like uh, there was one guy that I love doing it, but he's very busy. He does rap videos and stuff. And he's just too busy. Uh, so I was like, I need to do it myself because it's the only way I'm happy with it. Uh, but yeah, I sit and spend hours putting all the music videos together. And if you go and watch one of the World War Wrestling music videos, I think anyone can watch it and go, it's made with love. So genuinely, I believe that. And uh, any any people that even are good at editing will watch it and go, they're great. They're great videos, man. You know, it, I like to sell and tell a story with the music music yeah. videos. And we'll make sure that the uh, the link to the World War Wrestling YouTube uh, page is added to the description of this podcast. But let's let's talk a bit about uh, IWE then, because uh, uh, they're over in Essex, uh, not a million miles away from where you're based. But uh, how did you first get involved with IWE? Um, I think, uh, I can't even remember. Um, I think Frankie hit me up and asked me if I'd wrestle for him. I was, actually, the first time I wrestled for IWE, I wrestled a Sir Selfie for them. Because Sir Selfie is another gimmick, which is just absolutely stupid that I do uh, but it's really popular and it was done as a joke initially and I think Frankie saw it uh, and just loved it and so he booked it <laughs> so uh, that's sort of but again I think I think that's the thing I come in and people use it and then it's like well Damien's really popular whatever happens people love Damien so um, whether whether Damien's going to be a good guy or a bad guy people love they just love him so but yeah. Sir Selfie's stupid as well so I did Sir Selfie and then he brought me back as Damien, and it kind of just evolved from that, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean they're good, good guys, you know. Uh, Frankie's a good guy. So, as you be fair, mate, I work with any company. If people treat me good, I'll treat them good. It's, it's as simple as that. If you're an ass to me, I'm not interested, you know. So. Uh, yeah, I mean Frankie's a top guy, and I know that he's got some massive plans for IWE uh, going into 2021. But I mean, you are their their inaugural IWE national champion as Damien and, and, and the match itself that you had you defeated another British legend uh, Johnny Storm in a, in a really kind of fun gritty back and forth championship match I really loved the hell out of it when I saw it it, it seemed like the two of you were having a, a fantastic <laughs> match in there two kind of experienced pros going at it painting a great picture and telling a great story but uh, you know t- tell us about that match between you and Johnny because you know when you've got two experienced pros in the ring together you, you know you just create magic don't you yeah mate i don't i don't even think we spoke before the match we've known each other a lot of years we just go and have fun you know uh everyone you know just that's that's what it is just go and have fun that's uh that's what we did it was it was a lot of fun the crowd laps it up it was you know it was, uh, i don't know sometimes i mean i work some other people and i'm like not even spoken about a match room i was like mate let's just see what the crowd do and let's just feed feed off the crowd and see see how it goes some people hate that. People like some people will be like, God, I fucking hate working with Brett. He doesn't want to organise anything. It's just like, I don't know if the if the crowd 
I just I love that whole thing like work off the crowd. Even when I was working years ago as a babyface, I would feed off the crowd in respects of what they're how that how, how they're responding is how I'd then react. And I think that works really well. And like with someone like Johnny is obviously very capable of doing the same thing, you know. There's a there's <laughs> a lot of things you can say about Johnny, but there's no doubt he's a he's a great wrestler, he's a great legend. Loves to sell his masks, but it's, <laughs> but like you know, he's he's a fantastic worker. You know, any time you've got him on a show, it's going to be good. And so, it's just, I would genuinely say it's very easy to work someone like that. You know, someone someone that's very experienced and good and knows how to work is just very easy. It's, it may, I don't know, it sounds funny. Some people would be really stressed, but for me, I'm just like, this is going to be so much fun. Like you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved I watched that back twice and I loved the match. And of course, it, it, you know, I'm kind of doing a bit of a cheap plug here for Turnbuckle TV because IWE are on Turnbuckle TV and uh, go out and check them out. And uh, so I think they're on the, the free to see section. So uh, or just sign up for three ninety nine, you get the whole package, uh, including the wrestling with John's podcast. But let's go to some listener questions then, Brett. But I mean, there, there seems to be a lot of love in the listener questions for Maverick Blade, who was another one of my IWE uh, interviewed. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, I think um, a lot of people are kind of positioning Maverick as uh, maybe a, a contender to your throne somewhere down the line. But uh, uh, how do you think uh, a match between Damien and Maverick Blade would fare? I don't know. I've, I've, I've seen him wrestle a couple of times. Seems all right. <laughs> funny, mate. It's Damien. Like anyone that says like, oh, a match with Damien, I'm like, it just depends. Depends what they want to do. Like I don't know. I, I do. I'm not going to lie. I love a. I love a good strong, strong match. Uh, I had some pretty crazy wars at EWE a little while ago with uh, some people and we were fighting all around the building and uh, yeah, just so yeah, I'm all up, I'm up for anything really, you know, but yeah, Maverick, who? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Frankie, book it, book it for the next show, book it for the next show. But uh, there's, a, there's a question here from Richard Doyle and he asks, uh, what's your greatest achievement in wrestling? So, I mean, it's probably difficult to boil it down into kind of one answer, but if you've got, you know, a moment or a couple of moments that you're really, really proud of that you would consider possibly, uh, you know, one of your greatest achievements. Um, I'm not going to lie, when when I did uh, World War Wrestling, we ran a few shows at different venues, then we moved up. I made the decision to move up to Stone Market Leisure Centre, which holds 400 people. And um, there was a moment when the first show there, I think, yeah, we had we had Bram against Matt Walters there for the belt. I think yeah, Stone Market Slam. Uh, Matt Matt Walters is a massively underrated wrestler that I've known for a lot of years that I genuinely think should be everywhere. And um, I remember we we had the headsets on. I walked up the top balcony, which was crammed with people, and I sort of looked over the balcony. I sort of threw the headsets, and my missus said, "We've done it." So I've literally I've done what I wanted to do. I've like I've proven to everyone because when my leg was dead, everyone was like, "Oh, Brett's finished." And I was like looking at this. I'm like, "This is as good as any show I've seen in the UK." You know, I looked over it, and it was crammed. And even other promotions, there were guys from Sacrifice Pro that were there, and other guys, and they were like. Brett, this is fucking amazing, mate. You know, and uh, genuinely, like I was, that was a huge achievement. You know, becoming a wrestler, anyway, is obviously a massive achievement. But in my head, it's what I always wanted to do. So I don't think there was ever any doubt I was going to do it. But back, all them years back, I didn't know I'd have my own promotion and promote shows like that. You know, and sort of I was there and I was like, I'm doing it. And I looked over the balcony and I was like, a little bit overwhelmed, but in a good way. It was just like, yeah, I've done, I've worked my fucking ass off for this. And I've done it, and look look what we've done. Look how good this is. Look at all these people. Look at this setup. This is 
professional wrestling, you know. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, that I'd probably say that's my greatest achievement in wrestling, actually. Good you know, answer. If I put it back to that that one show where, and I haven't got anyone to thank for it, just me and my wife. Like, I can't I can't finger point any person that helped me. It was just me and my wife, and there was a couple of lads that gave me some time to help me fly and stuff, but. You know, you know when you get these groups of lads and they put the show on, it's like, yeah, look what we've done. And I was like, no, look what me and my wife have done. Yeah, yeah, and great answer. Really more me, because I was on the ground a lot, but obviously my wife had a massive amount to do with it as well. Yeah. But I'm pushing it, I was the one booking it, and I was and I was just like, I was very, very proud at that moment, you know. And there's photos now, I look at them photos, I'm like, that is sick when I see them photos from that. From that very first show at Stone Market. Like, and we had, a lot, we had a lot of work. We, uh, I had a lot of work convincing them to let me run a show there because they'd had wrestling there in the past and they'd been let down. And that's the problem in British wrestling that there's so many shit ass companies that will let venues down and damage the reputation of wrestling. You have to work really hard to get that reputation back up. And like I said, that was all part of that. And I just stood there and the, the guy that runs the venue stood there too. And I was like, you know, you could see how smug he was with how good his venue looked and, so yeah, that that for me, I think was maybe maybe the pinnacle. I've done you know wrestling Vampiro in front of thousands of people, massive. But it sounds funny, but probably that that achievement right there of selling out that first major step up show, where I was like, screw these venues, I need a bigger venue. I'm doing it. That, that was massive for me. So brilliant. And who would you say are some of your your favourite opponents, or maybe your favourite feuds that you've had in your 18 year career? I don't know, really. Uh, <laughs> like. I don't know. I, I'm not even sure if I have some favourite opponents. Recently, I've enjoyed wrestling Bullet quite a lot because we just beat the shit out of each other. Uh, he's a good lad. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. I don't know if I've got any favourite opponents. I like uh, where Brad Slayer. I quite enjoy wrestling Brad Slayer. Um, he was obviously tagged up with Kip Saving in Special Edition, and he wrestles for the Knights. He's quite heavily involved in WAW still. We generally when we get into a match, it's one of them ones where we don't talk a lot. We just have a ridiculous time. A bit like the Johnny match. We just go out there. We have fun. And we like, you know, sometimes it's like we get paid to have this much fun. You know, um, again, again, I, I don't know if I've got any real favorites. I've got some favorite wrestlers, you know, like, uh, Matt Walters genuinely is the first ever world wrestling champion. Uh, for me, he's one of the best wrestlers around, uh, massively underrated. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, again, I I can't really pinpoint anyone. I just I just love I just love the business. So uh, yeah, you know, there's some good. people I don't like working with, but <laughs> we we won't go into that. <laughs> but um, I mean, we're nearly at the end of the interview, Brett. And you know, do you have any uh, any bookings, any any shows that you'll be performing on any time between now and the end of the year, or any plans for World War Wrestling? Um, you know, either this year or, or maybe going into next year kind of any, any bookings or any plans for yourself as a promoter or a performer well uh, world war wrestling normally does summer festivals like the big motor events festivals we have about twenty thousand people there unfortunately they've all been cancelled this year so I, I genuinely don't know if any i don't know if world war wrestling do any indoor shows we've got to see what happens with the government uh yeah if i did do an indoor show it would be one of the small ones i do i don't it's a big outlay like i said before to put big shows on and I think people are still very hesitant about filling a hall up with people. So if I was to throw a load of money at a show, I might as well just burn it because I know I'm not going to make that money back on a, on a big hall show. Um, so I may do one of the smaller ones, which are 
much more stripped back, but a lot more fun, like the community chaos shows we run. Great, great fun. Much more stripped back, though. Um, um, I will be doing a show at Standen, at the Bell at Standen. It's an outdoor social distancing. Yeah, the the Standen Smackdown show, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of kerfuffle about that, but <laughs> that's all been ripped apart, and now uh, the whole show's been rebooked, and the guy that runs it is a top guy. He does a lot of MMA stuff, so he's a massive wrestling fan, so he just like he wants to be able to put on an event which is literally socially distanced, We've got some bands of street food. I've wrestled for him before there. Um, I'm actually I'm actually his champion, so I'll be defending the belt that day. Uh, but that that'll be great fun. Like it's a, it's a great place. Uh, once a year they shut the road off and have a big festival, and he has a wrestling uh, May Day festival, and that's a really really cool event. Um, but yeah, so that's definitely happening. That's the 29th of August, so it's, it's only a couple of weeks away. Quite soon, yeah, yeah. And the rest is all up in the air. <laughs> it's been such a crazy year. Like, you know, I feel I feel bad. I've got lots of friends in it, the same, obviously in wrestling, but in the music business as well. And it's been it's hit everyone so hard, you know. It's just uh, it's a really shit time for everyone. So, you know, yeah. like, wrestling's taking a bit of a rinsing through all this as well. And the only thing I can say is if it, wrestling comes back stronger and better because of everything that's happened, that'd be great. And got got rid of a few people that shouldn't be involved. And you know. Um, positive you know that's all we can Indeed. be onwards and upwards for uh the uk wrestling scene but uh yeah. brett it's been fantastic having you on the wrestling with Jonas podcast it really really has before we let you go uh, i like to do with all my guests is, is to give them an opportunity to throw out any plugs any social media plugs where we can find you uh find out more about you say hi to you on twitter facebook instagram so the floor is yours my friend Mate, I don't even know i'm not check out world war wrestling check out subscribe to youtube mate there's some i mean i make some crazy bloopers from backstage stuff and that just making it a bit more human so people aren't like people can get it and like get to know the characters and stuff so yeah check out the world war wrestling youtube channel check out the facebook um i'm on twitter as craft slash damien slash selfie uh <laughs> just, right. we'll make sure that all the links are added to the description uh, so uh, yeah don't, it, I, I put you on the spot there having to remember all the social media it's, it's difficult if I were to ask myself I wouldn't remember <laughs> you know, loads of people know it all I've just done it mate, half the time I'm like what's my phone number <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly but uh, Brett Meadows otherwise known as uh, Damien the IWE national champion thank you very much for being on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast thanks a lot man